Thrive Church, thanks for joining us online today. Man, I'm so excited to have you with us. I am Kevin, the lead pastor here at Thrive. And what you're going to discover is that we're one church in two locations. And so what we do, we use a teaching team. So today you'll get to hear from myself or one of our other communication team members, whether it be a campus pastor or or another staff member, uh, to share today's message. We love to see God move in your life. And so I'm excited that today's message is going to impact you. Uh, Beyond today's message, also, if you've not downloaded our app yet, you can download our app, Thrive Church app, where you can uh, give, you can listen to messages, you can sign up for small groups, you can sign up to serve, you can sign up for almost anything except being an astronaut and going to the moon, because we don't do that. But everything else, you can sign up to do it on our app. And so we're pumped today that God's going to move in your life to today's message. So, on to today's message. Thrive Church, how are we doing this morning? Right. Well, let me say, first of all, thank you for venturing out in this monsoon. This is like Forrest Gump rain, right? Um, if you're new with us today, usually we sing more songs up front, but today we have baptisms, and so we like to actually sing worship songs while we do baptism. That's the fun thing that we do. Uh, and if you don't know this, seven years ago, we actually launched the Thrive Chesterfield Campus. And so fall was a time that we took a big leap of faith. We believed God wanted to do something really cool. And so we actually officially launched. So we're celebrating our seventh year birthday today. So Thrive is about a second grader right now. Um, Thrive is getting a little better at reading. We're getting a little better at math. So thank you guys for that. That's why we have all the party decorations. And we're also celebrating because baptism is a party, right? Like that should be the greatest excitement of a church that people are going public with their faith. They're realizing what Christ has done for them. And if you've never been water baptized, let me just say this. Uh, in the book of Acts, there's a guy who heard the gospel. He believed. And then they were driving by some water. And then they said, hey, let's go and just get water baptized right now. Let's do it. So here's what we've done for you. If you don't know this, we have no excuse bags for you. So if you're sitting here, and maybe through the message, or maybe even while you watch somebody get baptized, like, you know what? I want to get water baptized. I'm, I trust in Christ. I, I put my faith in Him. I want to do this. We have no excuse bags in the back. What does that mean? We have clothes for you. We have everything you need that's clean, fresh, and brand new. It's not reused. Um, it's not hand-me-downs. In the back, if you want to get water baptized today, we have no excuse bags for you. Well, on today's uh, message, what I'll do is just share with you what one of our values. We have four major values that thrive. Uh, we have maturity, which we believe everybody has a next step. I don't care how long you have known Christ. I don't care how long you've been following Christ. We all have a next step. We also believe in multiplication. So we believe the church should multiply. Like baby's kids, we don't die. We multiply. And so what we like to do as a church is we like to believe and support multiplication, especially church multiplication, meaning this, we support other church plants in the Richmond area. It's not just about Thrive. It's about the Big C Church. And so from time to time, you'll see church planters at one of our locations that are starting brand new churches in Richmond. We're going to hand them a check. We're going to support them. We're going to love on them. And we're going to celebrate because we're helping multiply here in Richmond. Matter of fact, this morning, as I drove up, Stefan Ross was in the rain loading a trailer to his truck at for Aspire Community Church that we launched two years ago. Going to every believer should live on mission 24-7. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have an adventure every day that God wants to lead you on, and it's called sharing the gospel wherever you're at. But today, we're going to talk about one of my favorites, which is meals. It means sharing life together, doing life together. If you have your copy of God's Word, you can turn to Acts 2.42. I remember uh, a day kind of like this. Uh, 
probably 10 years ago, my wife and I were living in Florida. If you've ever lived in South Florida, there's something unique about South Florida. Every day at 3.30, a thunderstorm comes, and it lasts for about 15 minutes. It's a monsoon, and it goes like this, and it goes away, and the sun comes out. Sometimes it even rains while the sun is out, called a sun shower. Well, um, I had uh, the day off, uh, and so I was, my wife also had the day off, and she said, hey, I'm going to go for a bike ride. I said, baby, it's, it's 3 o'clock. I said, uh, I think it's going to rain. You probably don't need to do that. But as every good wife does, she doesn't listen to her husband. <laughs> and, and so she goes out and uh, does a bike ride around the island where we lived in Florida. And she's riding, and I take a nap like every good husband does. And about 30 minutes into it, I hear the rolling thunder. I look outside, and it's raining just like this. I'm like, oh, no. So I get in my little Chevy Malibu, and I start circling the island looking for her. And I walk, watch her, and she's walking her bicycle. So, I mean, she is just drenched. No umbrella, no raincoat, nothing. And I pull up. <laughs> I was her knight in shining armor riding the white Malibu. And I pull up, and I get her bike and put it in the trunk. And she gets in the car, and guess what I told her? No, no, I did not say that. I did not say I told you so. Husbands never do that, even if you're right. I didn't do that. I just said, honey, are you okay? I'm glad to be here to help you. I did not say I told you so. And she, and she got in, and she was very thankful. And we still laugh about that. She'll be at our second service today. I guarantee she's going to laugh because she remembers that day. But what's unique about that story and what's similar about that story with many of our lives is we face the same thing spiritually. There are many times we go out into life against wisdom sometimes, against discretion. We don't want any help, and we go out in life and we get caught in the storms of life alone. And the same thing that happened to my wife happens to you, happens to me. We go out saying, hey, look, I don't need anybody to help me. I got this thing. I can do this all alone. And we go out, and when we do, we get caught in the storms of life. And what I want to talk to you about today is not just a value that Thrive Church has. It's not something that, that we just conjured up and said, we want to have a church value called this. Meals is super important. Matter of fact, it's so important, it's something that fueled the greatest movement in the history of mankind, which is the church. In the first century, the church exploded from just 120 people to thousands. And as you, you hear all the time, by, by the third century, Constantine said, i got to make this a national religion. We can't stop it. Like, literally, let's get on board because this thing's taken over. We can't, we can't kill them fast enough, and they just keep multiplying. And what the early church understood was something that many of us, including myself, that we just don't get sometimes, and especially in the modern-day church. And when you look at the book of Acts, it's actually a book of history. If you're saying, I don't really believe the Bible, it's fairy tales, it's myth. Well, actually, Acts is a history book that a guy named Luke wrote who was a doctor. And he records that right after one of the greatest explosions uh, in Christianity, the first big explosion, was the day of Pentecost, 3,000 get saved, a really crazy experience, one of the Jewish festivals. 3,000 people get saved, and the church begins to grow. And then Luke records something that speaks about the believers who were getting saved that were part of this movement. In Luke 2.42, I want you to, to look at this here. <clears throat> he says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Now, 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 don't just skate over that, because if you've been a Christian long enough, you kind of got this thing memorized, right? Like, like, like you know this. It's Acts 2.42. Yeah, we all know that. Maybe this is new to you today, but I want you to realize something here that we, we miss. It says, how many? All the believers. Every one of them devoted themselves. 
watch this, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Luke records that the believers were part of a community. They all did this together. And what they did was they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now remember, in Acts chapter 2, in that time, there was no Bible. All they had was an Old Testament. So they had the 12 apostles who taught them. And then eventually these guys started recording the things that they were teaching and circulating letters. But they devoted themselves to that. Today, the apostles' teaching would be the word of God for us. That would be what you do when you crack open the New Testament. That's what that is. But they all devoted themselves. Do you see themselves, all? It didn't say each one did it. It said they all did it. The community did it together. What else did they devote themselves to? They devoted themselves to fellowship which is literally doing life together. I heard one corny youth pastor say it this way. It's like two fellows in a ship. Fellowship. I told you it was corny. They also shared in meals together. They shared in prayer together. And what I want you to realize here, Luke uses this word, said they devoted themselves to this. Now that word devoted is so important because it means that literally what happened was, it means you commit yourself to something with all your heart for a long time. You devote yourself to something. If you ever see someone really good at a craft, like a sport, painting, or playing an instrument, very rarely does somebody just pick it up and they're just really good at it. It usually takes practice. I know for me it does, right? It takes practice. It takes devotion. And it says that they put all their heart for a long duration. They devoted themselves and two of the things they devoted themselves to, you couldn't do alone if you tried, which is sharing in meals together. You can't share a meal alone. It says sharing in meals together, right? And you can't fellowship alone. And if you look at it, they all devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. But here's what we've been taught in America. In our westernized culture, we've been taught that we can be independent and still be believers, that we don't need anybody else. That we can literally sit at home and do church at home because we watch church on Facebook, right? Now, I'm all about streaming live on Facebook. I'm all about getting all the church you can get. But I want you to realize something. If we buy into the idea that we can do this thing alone as believers, then we're going to miss one of the greatest parts of Christianity. And maybe that's why we don't see the movement we should see today. Because we live in isolation. We do it alone. And here's today's big idea. And if you have your notes handy, write this down, because I, I see this all the time, and I've seen it in my life, and you've probably seen it in yours. But Satan's hidden trap for the believer is isolation. Satan's hidden trap for the believer is isolation. If he can get you alone, if he can get you isolated from the group, he's going to beat your brains out. And that's the goal, is to, I mean, realize that, that our enemy of our souls, he knows the word of God. He, he was there in Acts chapter 2. He saw the movement take place. And he understands in America, we're on, on the cusp of God doing something amazing. I know you see all the stats saying things are bad, but let me tell you something about the church. We're seeing more churches started than ever in the history of the world right now. Is that not amazing? We're seeing, I mean, somebody's excited about that. We're seeing more people come to faith than ever right now. And Satan says, I, I can't stop that. But what I can do is to get them to try to do it alone. I can get them to live the Christian life independently. I can get them to take away one of the crucial elements because he remembers Acts chapter 2. And see, there's many reasons that we get isolated. I know as I thought about this, I thought about my own life. 
And maybe this doesn't apply to you, but it applies to me. So there's reasons we get isolated. Uh, one of the reasons is just the word sin. I mean, I, you know, you're like, oh, sin. They're talking about sin in church. Yeah, it's sin. And what is sin? Sin is something that puts you at odds with God and at odds with people. It hurts God and it hurts people. And if you're doing something in your life that's hurting people, then you're also probably hurting God too. And so whenever we struggle with that, you shouldn't be ashamed of, of, of sin. You shouldn't be condemned by sin. You should realize that you need not only God's help, but other people to help you with it. But many times when people struggle with something, especially a secret addiction or things that they go through, they isolate themselves because they think, what if somebody finds out that I actually do this? What if people in the church find out they're going to shun me? And you may have been part of a church before where you went through something tough in your life. You went through a struggle in your life and you were shunned. And you probably feel that way rightfully so. But you shouldn't feel that way. I believe the church should be the safest place to confess, quote unquote, our sins, right, to, to each other. We should have believers where we can go to, and we should be comfortable sharing um, there. I, you know, I have conversations all the time with people, and I love it when people are just open and honest about how bad things really are in their life, because that's somebody you can trust. That's somebody who God's going to use. The, the second reason why sometimes we, you know, get isolated, we fall into the trap. And it's the sin of busyness. And I know none of you ever do that. But the number one thing that I hear when maybe I, I see somebody, you know, especially if you're out and about, uh, you know, at the market or you're out and about in the community and you see them, you haven't seen them except for Christmas and Easter. And what's the excuse they tell you? They say, I've been busy. And yeah, and I agree. Like, that's not a lie. They're not lying to you. Like, they've been busy. Because you know what I know? Life is busy. Life is super busy. But the one of the things that enemy will do is he will use busyness to get you separated from the community of faith. He'll let your schedule get you separated from the community of faith. And you have to make that a priority. See, here's the thing. You're busy with what you want to be busy with most of the time. You are. And if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Do you get that? If he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. It's a busyness. Now, here's another thing we fall into. And this is something that's happened to me before. It's called offense. The next one's offense. Not offense, but offense. And here's what happens when you get around people. This, people say all the time, the church this and the church that. You know what the church is? It's people. And you get it. And, and we're one of the most diverse groups you'll ever be around the church is. And when you get around diverse people, and you get around people from different walks of life and different ages and different backgrounds, guess what? Somebody's going to offend you. I, I can go ahead and be real spiritual right now. It's called prophesying. That's what some of the, 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 the saints, that, that means they're, they're going to predict your future. I'm going to predict your future. Are you ready? Get ready. I'm predicting your future. You will get offended in church. And you will get offended in this church. As a matter of fact, from time to time, I'm going to offend you. I'm going to upset you. Amen. And that's going to happen in any part of the uh, you know, group you be, that you're a part of. If you're married, you will get offended by your spouse greatly many times a week somebody say amen but offense is a trap that keeps us from connecting with other people we isolate ourselves because we're upset with them but let me just slide this in jesus said if you have something against your brother or sister meaning not not, not just your sibling but your the family of god he says don't even go give your your gift to the altar he says you go to them because if you're at odds with people you're at odds with god because forgiveness is the cornerstone of christianity that's the one cornerstone of Christianity. So offense. 
another area that we often allow to get us isolated is de depression or even discouragement. And here's what happens. You go through a storm of life, and we all go through those storms. And let me say this. Disclaimer, time out. Sometimes you do need to, like, process some things alone, right? I'm a type of guy, when, 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 I, when I get hit in the gut, I don't run to somebody first. Like, this week, I had something happen to me personally. I didn't run to anybody. I didn't go at first. I processed what was happening in my emotions, and it hurt. But then I had to go to some trusted friends and say, hey, man, let me talk to you about this emotion I'm feeling because I'm angry, and it's, it's not good. And so let me talk to you about that. But many times when we go through depression or discouragement, we just back off from the community of faith. We're like, ah, I'm just going through some things. And I, again, I hear that all the time. I'm just going through some things. Well, listen, God designed you to go through things with other believers, not doing it alone. That's how God designed you. And one of the final things that happens to us is this, just misunderstandings. Sometimes, we, especially in the church, man, like we just misunderstand something. And then we just, I'm going to back completely off. I'm going to back completely off from that person. I'm missing her. What did they mean by that? It's a little different than offense. You're not offended. You just don't understand. And I think so many times that happens to us. And I want you to realize today that in your life, the hidden trap for you and for me, especially if you're a believer, is isolation to get you separated. And Satan wants to trap you. Like, I grew up in rural North Carolina, if you can't tell by my accent. Right? <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, really? You sound like you're from, from New York. I couldn't tell. Well, <laughs> In rural North Carolina, we used to trap animals, right? Somebody say, oh. Now, listen, my family would eat them. I didn't eat those animals because I wouldn't eat rabbit or squirrel. I was like, no, I'm not eating that, right? I was a little different. But what we did, we built these little wooden traps, and it had a door on it, and the door was up, and it had some food on the inside at the very end. And when the animal would eat the food, it would come up, and the door would close, and you got an animal in a box. You trapped it. And so that, we used to do that. And I remember as a, as a young kid and my brother doing that, it was so fun because you never know what you got. Like you could hear it in there. <laughs> but the animal would go in, especially squirrels, they would go in and eat the apple or eat the, you know, whatever's on the end of there uh, that we had, and they would get trapped in this box. And then they would get eaten. Can I tell you something? That's the same thing that Satan wants to do with us. There's, there's this temptation, this bait this bait, whatever that is, business, sin, offense, misunderstanding, depression, discouragement, and you eat the bait, you say, man, that looks so good, I'm going for that, and then boom, you're trapped. And then you'll wake up one day wondering, how did I get to this point in my marriage? How did I get to this point in my life? How did I get to this point where I'm at? Why? Because Satan's hidden trap for the believer is always isolation. You, listen, you can follow Jesus for yourself, but you can't follow Jesus by yourself. That's one of the, the keys to Christianity. And the reason we know this is, is because when you look at the Scripture, all of Scripture, God created us to be social beings. He created us to have to do life together, and especially if you're a follower of Christ. We look at Genesis. So, for instance, and if you have your notes, you can write this down. Genesis 1.26, uh, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, check this out. One more time. I mean, God's creating mankind, and look what happens here. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, one of the things you spend a bunch of money on in seminary that you'll pay school, school loans back on is this. Who is us? Who is our? Who is God talking to there? I, 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 who is that? 
you know, and at first, well, he's probably talking to, to the angels, right? Angels hang out in heaven, and God said, hey, let us, well, it's not the angels, because we're not made in their likeness or their image, and you don't become an angel when you die, FYI. Please stop saying that when your loved ones die. <laughs> Nobody ever becomes an angel. Like, that's a whole separate, like, if you want to say species. If you posted it recently, just delete it. Don't worry about it, okay? Like, oh, God, I just posted yesterday about, about Aunt Susie. Oh, no. So, so that doesn't happen. So who was God talking to there? Well, in the beginning in creation, when you look at creation was the Word, who was Jesus. He was there. It says that the Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. The Holy Spirit was at creation. It's the Trinity. It's the Trinity eternal forever. And God is literally saying, let us make man in our image. What does that mean according to our likeness? What does that mean? We, as human beings, are different than animals, if you've not noticed. And one of the ways that we're different is morality, right? We have a different moral code than animals do. We have the ability to worship things, which we've not seen animals do yet, to create places of worship. And so far, they can't find evolutionary gaps in that and figure out where all that fits in at because we've been created differently. But when he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, one of the key aspects, we read a book, uh, a big theology book called The Social God. God did that in community. Think about it. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in community. Let us make man according to our image, meaning that we can't exist without key relationships in our life. God is not some lone ranger who just does it all by himself, right? He had the Trinity at work there. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then look what happens. I love this in Genesis 2.18. It says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. And I know it's referencing Eve there and husband and wife, but there's something greater than that. It's not just about marriage. God created us to do life together. He created humanity that way, and he created you as a believer that way. And if you look to the New Testament, I love this, because we often think, well, Jesus was 100% God, 100% man. He didn't need anybody, did he? Jesus didn't need anybody. Let's do a little, little survey. Did Jesus need people for him to do miracles? Did he need people? No. Did he? Think about it. Did Jesus need people really to help him? I mean, maybe feeding the 5,000, that was helpful, right? <laughs> Been a big task for one guy. He's like, I multiplied, you guys, you know, take care of it. But look what happened here. Jesus gets ready to start ministry. And Luke, the same guy who wrote Acts, he writes this. In, in, in Luke 6, 13, it says, In the morning he called his followers to him. And watch this. He chose 12 of them and called them. Jesus chose to do life with other people. Jesus actually chose to have these disciples. Not that he quote-unquote needed them, but even him being 100% God and 100% man needed that relational community to do what God the Father had called him to do on earth. He chose them. See, you can follow Jesus for yourself, but you can't follow Jesus by yourself. And there may, there may be a season you can do some church online and church on Facebook. You can just do some private stuff. But you, that is not how you were created. And that's not how God created the Christian life to be lived. Even Jesus chose to be part of a small group. Right? He chose to have three close people he talked to. Three guys who recorded in the Gospels what he said. They remembered it so vividly. They went on to give their life for him. He had 12 that traveled with him, 70 that followed at a distance, and hundreds who just traveled just because the fish and chips were good. Some of you got that. Some of you didn't. So here's what we have to do, guys. Here's, here's our next step. Here's, here's what I would encourage you to do as a believer. 
value circles over rows. Value circles over rows. And what does that mean? It's the same we have here. Right now, you are sitting in a row, right? One guy's talking, had some music played, you're watching something, you're in a row. But what we have to understand is circles are better than rows, meaning the relationships you have in your life, the key relationships, whether that's, you know, in this church in a small group, outside of this church in a small group, people ask all the time, well, I have a church, I have a group that I meet with outside of this church. They're not even part of this church. They're a small group. Guess what? That's cool. I just want you to find somebody that you're meeting with, you're doing life with, you're confessing sin to, you're sharing your, your emotions with, that you have people you do life with. Now at church, there's, there's two ways you can do that. You can join a group or, or join a team. But you've got to have those people in your life that you can value over just sitting like this. The church did just sit like this in the first century. They heard the apostles teaching together. I'm not an apostle and I'm not, I, I'm not a, I didn't write the Bible, but I'm sharing the word of God with you. They did that. But they also shared in meals together and fellowship. Value circles over rows. And how do we do this? How do we do this? It's pretty simple. And here's what I do, and I hope, hopefully you'll do. We trust God, but we also have to depend on others. That's hard, right? How many of you have been let down by somebody in the past year? Should be everybody in this church. Somebody somewhere has let you down. And so I say you got to depend on others. You're like, oh, really? Because I've leaned on them before, and I've seen what's, what's happened in my life. But you've got to trust God. But you also have to depend upon other people especially if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is true for you too because you're made as a social person. But for followers of Jesus, this is especially true. You've got to depend upon other people. I'll never forget um, when I first gave my life to Christ and I was watching Christian TV, which can be good or bad for you. <laughs> I'm joking. You guys can laugh, right? And I was watching this lady sing a gospel song. And the song was, I don't need nobody but King Jesus right? Didn't need grammar class, but, but did, you know, did, definitely didn't go to English class, but she didn't, I don't need nobody but King Jesus. And people were like, yeah, they were shouting, man, they were just standing up singing. I don't need nobody but King Jesus. And I thought, man, that's right. That's all I need is God, man. All I need is Jesus. And we've all said that at some point, haven't we? But that is the worst theology that will get you destroyed as a believer. Because what happens is we get so hurt we go through something so deep, we come up with this theology, all I need is King Jesus. No, you've got to have King Jesus and all King Jesus men and women in your life too. It takes community in our life. And if you're getting water baptized today, if you've given your life to Christ even in the past couple of months, don't you understand something? You've been baptized into the body of Christ. You're part of a bigger community. You're a follower of Jesus and you've been baptized into the greatest family in the world. All we're doing today is just recognizing you've already made that decision, and you've already been spiritually baptized into the family of God. And here's what's beautiful about that, that when you can be in an airport, and you notice somebody who's a believer, who's a true follower of Jesus, not somebody who just goes to church. That's a difference, right? And you start communing with them. It's like you have an instant connection with them. Like, man, you're a follower of Jesus? Well, I am too. That's so awesome. And I'll see guys I play ball with, and they'll, you know, some of them wear a Christian shirt or something. Hey, man, are you, are you a believer? Oh, that's awesome, me too. And you have this instant connection with a greater family. Christianity was never meant to be done alone. Your walk with God was never meant be, to be done alone. It is not private, even though it's personal. And I want to encourage you, if you're getting water baptized today, if you've given your life to Christ, if you're part of this church, 
I want you to go just beyond a row at this church. I don't just look at church attendance and say, oh man, the church is doing great. Everybody, we got, church was full Sunday. You've heard that. I want to know how many are serving on serve teams or how many are in small groups. Because that means somebody's doing life with somebody else. That somebody is making a connection beyond just a Sunday experience. And let me encourage you with the scripture as we close. Hebrews 10, 25. The writer of Hebrews here says, And let us not neglect our meeting together. That sounds kind of like a, like a not a, suge- a suggestion, but a command, right? Let us not do what? Let's not neglect our meeting together. And watch this. This is 2,000 years ago this was written. You thought it was written today. As some people do. Some people neglect the community. They neglect the sharing in meals together and the fellowship. They neglect learning the word of God with others and praying together with others. But look what the writer says. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So I want to encourage you today. Before we jump into our series next week, start a whole new series of things, I want to encourage you to thrive. One of our four values we chose is meals. Why meals, Kevin? It says in the first century, man, they shared in meals together. Now, you don't have to eat a meal. In that, in that day and time, that's what they did. They went, that was the most intimate thing you could do with someone. Remember Jesus said, behold, I stand the, at, at your door and knock, and I'll come in and, and share a meal with you. It's very intimate. But here's the principle I want you guys to get today. On Baptism Sunday, is that you can follow Jesus for yourself, but you can't follow Jesus by yourself. And I want you to allow the Lord to touch your heart, to take that next step. And like I said, it doesn't have to be a group in this church. This is not a shameless plug for small groups. We do have groups here. It's not a shameless plug for, for joining a serve team. I want you to find community beyond just the row you're sitting in. If the only connection you have in this church is a staff member, you're gonna be in trouble. And just like my wife was caught out in the storm, she was alone, didn't need, I don't need nobody, right? I got this. That's what happened to us. And I don't want to see you go through some of the toughest times of your life alone. Find those people who can do life with you and you can do life with. Let me pray this morning.